Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. ringing. I would appreciate it. So uh, if you are under the age of 10, I want you to raise your hand. All right. If you are, wait, is that it? Yeah? Okay. If you are under the age of um, eight, I want you to raise your hand. Still people. All right. Uh, If you're under the age of seven, I want you to raise your hand. Yes. I love this. This is great. I love this. All right. If you're under the age of three, can you raise your hand? There it is. Hello. Yeah, I can see you. Happy to see you. Well, hey, welcome to you all. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Andrew, and uh, I have the privilege of being the pastor of Mosaic, and I would love to learn all of your names, but we're not going to do that right now. We'll do that another time. I know your name. Henri. Yes. Yes, Henri, I do know your name. So let's, let's pray, and then we're going to read the Bible, and we're going to talk about what it says. Cool? All right, God, you are here, you love us, you understand us, and you have something to say to us. So would you open up our, our ears and the ears of our hearts to hear your voice? Would you open up our minds so that we can understand what you want to teach us? And would you give us courage and faith to trust you and to, uh, to do what you ask us to do? I pray this through Jesus. Amen. All right, so I might need uh, some help from the kids today because I'm talking about some stuff that sometimes adults don't understand, and I think the wisest adults know that if the adults can't understand it, it probably is not that important anyway. But if the kids can understand it, then it's important. So my job, here's here's a test for me. If y'all kids can understand it, or you can help me know if I'm explaining it well, if you can understand it, then we can know that we're talking about something important, okay? If you guys can't understand it, probably not that important anyway. Fair enough? All right, good. We, we got a deal. So I might ask you some questions, and if I do ask you questions, please just shout out and uh, give whatever answer comes to your mind, okay? So if you guys have those little pamphlets that have the Mosaic logo on the front, You'll see inside there, there's a scripture reading, and in the middle of all those words, there's a bit that says Hebrews chapter 7, and uh, I'm going to read that. It's a a passage from the Bible, and uh, and this is what we're going to talk about today. So, here we go. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, 
first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which comes after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. That's from the Bible. A letter to what we call the Hebrews. All right, so... In this passage, we have some priests, and we have one priest. Some priests, one priest. If you look at it, you can see that the many priests die. But the one priest lives forever. And the many priests sin. The one priest has been made perfect forever. That's a pretty big difference between the many priests and the one priest. The many priests keep on dying. There's a lot of them, and they can't keep being priests because they keep dying. And they can't keep being priests if they're dead, right? Thank you. See, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And on the other side, if they are priests, well, we've got we to stop. We need to review. What is a priest? Well, last week we talked about, oh, I love it. Man, these kids are on it. Okay, so we got three hands. We're going to go with Grace, Emmy, and Henry. All right, Grace, shout it out. What, what's a priest? That's a great, great idea. Somebody who teaches the word of God. That's part of their job. Yep. Emmy, what do you want to say? Or Henry, Emmy, you thinking? All right, Henry, what you got, bud? Thank you, yeah. So priests can help if something is haunted or being taken over by evil spirits. I would really hope so. Yes, I love that. Yeah, Emmy? What's that? It's just your mask. Yes, man. Yes, priests should be friends of Jesus. I love these answers. Thank you, you guys. So in particular, so priests do have all sorts of knowledge. They teach a lot, but they have a really special job. And their job is to represent the community before God. God has given us, all people, God has given us life. And the priests are the ones who give our gifts back to God. All the ways that we want to say thank you to God, the priests are the ones who are supposed to give our gifts of thanks back to God. But the problem is that we also have lots of attitudes and behaviors that make us really dirty. It's called sin, and God is completely good. I just want to put, if you can put, put your hand up, if you know that you are entirely and completely good, like there is no lack of goodness in your life. Anybody? I can't put my hand up, actually. That would be terrible. All right, none of us. All of us knows that we are not wholly good yet. But God is entirely good. Well, what does that mean? Okay, so let's, like, if God is entirely good, can God, I really need you guys, I need an answer on this one. Okay. If God is really good, can, is it okay for God to not give other people his goodness if he's really good? No? That's fantastic. So Henry says, God needs to give people his goodness 
Because if God does not give his goodness to his people, like to people that he's created, then that makes God partially bad, right? Which makes sense. We would say, like, if, if you're a teacher and you are there to teach science or math, and you just say to the kids, I'm sorry, I'm not going to teach you science or math, even though I know it, and I'm just going to sit there and I'm not going to give you my good knowledge, we would look at the teacher and say, can we please uh, find somebody else to do your job, right? And so I think Henry is exactly right. God has to give his goodness away because being generous with goodness is part of what it means to be good, right? But what if we don't want God's goodness? Oh, you got an answer for me. Man, I love this. All right. Okay, I'm telling you, we have a philosopher among us, a theologian. This is great. So, so God, it, it becomes really complicated. If we don't want God's goodness, then how, God, it's not good for God to force us to desire his goodness. Oh. But how many of you have been told what's good and decided because somebody told you what was good that you did not want it? Oh, man, really, that's it? Only a few of us? People be like, hey, the thing you should do to be very wise is to stay away from drugs or stay away from people who will want to do bad things or don't gossip. And we're like, well, I'm going to go gossip. <laughs> like, that's what we do, right? Oh, sorry. Gossip is when you take somebody else's secrets and you tell it to other people that they don't want you to, to tell. And, of course, the people you tell are like, oh, that's so cool. You told us, like, now we all know the secret, but the person that you just told the secret on is really hurt, right? And we should not gossip because it hurts people. Anyway, but when that happens, we're like, yeah, we, we, we often want to go do what's bad. So this is a problem because we end up in a situation where we reject God in all of his goodness. So what is God to do? So God gives us priests. The priests are also supposed to offer sacrifices, the sacrifices are there when the people, when we realize that what we've done is bad and we want to say sorry to God and we want to actually change our behavior, then we, in the, under the rules that God gave his people, then we would go to the priest and we would take an animal and we would give the animal to God and the blood of that animal. So, so the priest would kill the animal, which is uncomfortable for many of us, but the priest would kill the animal and then they would take that blood and they would sprinkle it on lots of holy things. And that, that blood of that animal would purify us. It would cleanse the people who have done what's wrong. But the problem is, if you keep on doing what's wrong, then you keep on getting dirty again, right? And so the priests, like we read in this passage, there's all these tons of priests, thousands of priests, who have to keep offering sacrifices day after day after day for themselves, because they themselves are doing what's wrong, and for the whole community, because the whole community is also doing what's wrong. And so sacrifices have to happen day after day. And, and here's the problem. God is so good, and he's the creator of all things. He created everything so that it can enjoy his goodness. So all of that sin, all of that grossness in us needs to be taken away once and for all. And so God has given Jesus. 
to be the final priest, the last priest. The priest who never dies because he died and rose back from the dead again. And the priest who doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sin because he never sinned. He has been made whole, perfect, because he loved God so much that he obeyed God every moment of his life. He's awesome. And so because Jesus is our priest who lives forever, and because Jesus is our priest who has offered his life as a sacrifice for us, there's always a sacrifice available for us so that God can come and dwell with us. Jesus can make us clean so that God can live among us. And Jesus always lives to be the the place where we can meet with God, our Heavenly Father. All right, so... I want to ask you, uh, this, is, this is the question that I was stumped on this week, okay? I appreciate, see? All right. I appreciate that nod. Okay. The Bible, what it says right here in verse uh, 26, such a high priest, this is Jesus we're talking about, such a high priest truly meets our need. He's one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He suits us. He suits us. He matches us. He's what we need. And I was thinking about this. I thought, well, in our time, we don't often think that living in God's presence is really that practical, right? For some of us, we we think about people who, who live in God's presence, and maybe it's like the musicians, and they just play music all the time. You can see videos of these people on YouTube, right? Play awesome music all the time, and they're standing there in a room. They're worshiping God. Their hands are in the air, and, and, they, and they are, they believe, experiencing God's presence, right? And we're like, well, is that what everybody's supposed to do, just sit in the room and play music? No, I agree. You see, you're very smart. No, that's, I mean, okay, that's beautiful. It's good to do, maybe, but is that... If that's what it means to be in God's presence, then does that have much practical use? Does that, does that help my neighbor who needs somebody to fix his car? Does that help my neighbor who needs somebody to feed them? No, it doesn't, right? So if I'm sitting there saying, oh, well, God's presence is just where I sing my music, yikes, that's a problem. And for some of us, you know, we think like, well, being in God's presence doesn't really make that much of a difference. Does, isn't the thing that really matters whether you try to be a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah, you got something to say. Well, let's go with Emmy first. Emmy, what are you thinking? Yeah? Okay. Well, I love that you're putting up your hand. So you keep participating. Henry, did you have something? Wow, okay, so if I'm in God's presence, then, this is what Henry's saying, then if my neighbor doesn't have good internet and they love music, then I can make music for them, right? If, I've, if I have been in God's presence and my neighbor, what was the next thing you said? If they need food, then I can make food for them? No, that's not what you said. <laughs> if they're disabled, their arms don't work properly, then you could help them. Yeah, and if they need help with their vehicle then if I've been in God's presence, if I am in God's presence, then I will help them with their vehicle. And I think you're exactly right. 
Because the Bible says something really interesting about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus knew that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. And so what Jesus did is he served people. And because he, Jesus dwelt so powerfully in the presence of God, the life of God flowed through Jesus to make everybody around him fully alive. And so God, living in God's presence is, like Henry just said, totally practical. If I am dwelling in the presence of God with Jesus, then Jesus is giving me power to love and to do the work that God wants me to do at every moment of my life. So you think about Jesus, right? And you think about people that came to him, and there were sick people that came. People who, their sickness was so bad that if they touched others, they were super contagious. Oh, wait a minute. Is it COVID right now? And, and, and these people, everybody was afraid of them because they didn't want to get sick, and, and they didn't want to get gross and dirty like those people. But when those people came to Jesus, because Jesus lived so fully in God's presence, God's wholeness came out of Jesus to make those people whole. In fact, with Jesus, when people were being really competitive and they were trying to prove who's better than who, like, I'm going to be the boss, man. When Jesus is really in charge of everything, I'm going to, I'm going to be like his right-hand man. I'm going to run this joint. And people would say, no, I'm going to be the best. No, I'm going to be the best. And then Jesus would come up and say, hey, guys, what were you talking about? And because Jesus lived so much in God's presence, he corrected the arrogance of foolish people around him because there is no arrogance in God's presence. God is not arrogant. And in fact, Jesus took the little children and he said, hey, little children, come on over here. And he said, I want you guys to sit with me because I need all of my disciples around here to see you because I know, Jesus knows, that at heart, his heavenly father is childlike. And Jesus said, if you want to be in God's kingdom, you've got to be like these little children. And Jesus, when he was around dead people, people who were so sad because their loved ones had died, because Jesus dwelt in God's presence so deeply, where life is, right? God is the source of all life. And Jesus dwelt in the presence of God all the time. When he was around dead people, the life of God filled those dead bodies and brought them back to life. It's very practical to live in the presence of God. Extremely practical. And so, we have hope, right? For you and me, when there's all this stuff inside of us that's so broken, and there's so many things in our lives that make us cry and weep, and there's things in our lives that we need to fix, for sure. But the amazing reality is that the good God, the God who created us, like he loves us so much, he wants to give us the fullness of all of his goodness, which means... That if you're the kind of person who is like, well, God, I would like some of your goodness, but not all of it, which I think we all are, God is saying to you, sure, for now. 
And we say, God, I, you know what? I, I don't want to be that good right now. I don't want to have to love my sister or my brother all the time. And God says, well, actually, you do. And, and I will teach you to want to love your brother or your sister. And we say, well, God, like, I would just love to be, I, like, I don't, like, can I just not have all of the goodness right now? And God actually is very patient with us. Like Henry said, God does not manipulate us, but God is not content to leave us in a place where his creatures reject what is good forever. God is always drawing near to persuade us, to teach us, to love what is good so that we can receive him who is all goodness and the source of all goodness. And Jesus died and rose again so that in him we encounter and we, we live with the living God. In Jesus Christ, God's life becomes our life. And we, like him then, can say that we came from God and we are returning to God and we live in the presence of God because Jesus is our great high priest who is always alive and who is always making us clean. And he leads us in life. Cool? All right. So one of the ways that we, uh, one of the ways that we live that out, we, we sing songs, right? And sometimes our songs are prayers. And, and a prayer is just something you're asking God for or something you're saying to God. So actually, okay, if you really want to be technical about it, all of life is a prayer and all of our music is prayer. But there's particular songs where we ask God for specific things. So the one we're going to sing, you'll see it in your bulletin, says, Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. When we, when we sing those words, what we're saying to God is, God, make me clean. Cleanse me from all of my bad attitudes and my bad behaviors and my bad thinking. Purify me. Make me clean like you, Jesus, are clean. And we're saying to God, like, burn up everything inside of me that's not good and make me as, like, as full of your goodness as you possibly can, which is like, we use like the pictures of precious metals, right? We want to be like gold and precious silver because that's something that we, that, that we can see, right? We're like, well, that's so beautiful. It's so precious. But that's just a shadow of how good and precious God himself is when he lives in us. And so we say to God, God, be like a refiner's fire. Refiners are people who work with metal. And they, they, they take ore, like rocks that have metal and different ores and minerals in them. They put it into like really, really hot pots called crucibles. They turn it up really hot and then it melts. And then the really heavy, uh, pure metal sinks to the bottom and all the gross stuff in there rises to the top. And you can get rid of all the dirt because it's so hot because of the refiner's fire. And so we say to God, God, be our refiner's fire. Make our lives clean so that we are whole and good like you created us to be in Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing that song, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to um, celebrate communion, where we, we, uh, we take the, the cracker and the juice, which represent Jesus' body and blood, and, uh, and then we'll wrap up our time together. So let's pray, and then we'll sing. God, thanks so much for loving us. Jesus, you're the one that said we got to be like the little children. So would you please make us like little children so that uh, we can dwell with you and our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that when we are in your presence, uh, you give us power to do amazing things that are very practical. 
Would you make that our experience and our reality, we pray. We ask in your name. Amen. All right. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Mosaic Church London.com.